God is good, amen? amen. And he is faithful. Well, good morning, everyone. It is my privilege to be able to share with you again today from God's word. Uh, my very first message was back in March. It took me about 34 years to prepare that one, and this one took only about three months, so I think I'm shaving down the time pretty well. Um, but it is good to be able to share with you and to hear what God wants from us today. Um, just, I want to share with you a little bit, starting out, what has been going on the past couple weeks in my life, actually our family's life. Uh, we, we've been having a lot of fun as we've been preparing my parents' house to be sold. I, my dad just rolled his eyes. It hasn't been as much fun for him. And um, we've been painting it, getting it ready to sell, and it actually sold a few days ago or they signed a contract on it for the amount that they were asking for. So God answers that prayer. And now we're getting my house ready because they're going to come stay with me for a few weeks because they don't have their house anymore before they fly off to France. And so we've been painting and getting some things done. And I know that a few months ago, they didn't exactly know what was going to happen with going to France or God bringing another situation for them to pursue but God opened up the door for them, and he was faithful. Many of you prayed for them, and God answered that prayer. And then after that, it required more trust and asking God to deal with the details of selling the house, what to do with all their stuff. They're moving halfway around the world. What is that going to mean for us, for our family? And we've been just trusting God and watching his, and we've been watching his faithfulness work out in their lives and so, and they've been putting their trust in God for his provision to lead them where they need to go. And he's been doing it, not exactly always in the timing that they've wanted or that we wanted, but it did happen in his timing and in his perfect plan. And so as I've been watching this work out, I've been kind of examining my own life of asking God, God, do I trust you? Have I been trusting you for these things that that my parents have been trusting, the way that for, you know, God, I trust you. I say I trust you. I believe in you. I believe that you have given me salvation. I believe that you're my Savior, but do I trust you? Do I trust him with my job? Do I trust him with my relationships, my finances, my family, my service to him? Do I trust him with my church that I'm a part of? Do I trust God with my health? With my problems, do I trust him to forgive me when I fail? Do I trust him with my everything, good or bad? So this morning I want to talk to you about what it means to trust God. Uh, just to give a little example, or just to set the tone here. As some of you know, my favorite show is Seinfeld, or it's one of my favorite shows. And there's this episode where Kramer, as he usually does, barges into Jerry's apartment as Jerry and George are having a conversation. And Kramer just says, do you guys want to have some fun? And they're like, sure, yeah, we want to have some fun. And then he says, no, do you really want to have fun? Or are you just saying you want to have fun? And Jerry says, I really want to have fun. And George says, I'm just saying I want to have fun. And so often, so the question I want to ask you guys this morning do you trust God, or are you just saying that you trust God? Because I think oftentimes when we're in the midst of our walk with Christ, we say we believe in God, we believe in who you are and what you're doing, 
but I struggle in my trust in my daily walk of giving him the things that, are, that matter to me that I'm dealing with. Our passage that I want to focus on this morning is from Psalm 37. So I actually want to ask you to stand, and we're going to read this together. It's verses 3 through 5. If you bring it up onto the screen. Let's read this passage together. It says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. Amen. You may be seated. And so this psalm was written by David. Just to give a little bit of context for it, he's writing to uh, the Israelites um, who are following God, who are trusting in his laws and his decrees, and they're kind of complaining or struggling because they're seeing the ungodly prospering. They're seeing those who aren't following God's laws, who aren't trusting in him, they are achieving great success and wealth, and they're like, well, we're doing all this stuff for God, what about us? We don't have all these things, we don't have the success that we want, or the things that we feel like we deserve, and so this is an exhortation to those who are following God, an encouragement from David, and he starts off by saying, trust in the Lord. This is important because what he's saying is, the first thing you do when you are in this situation where you feel like you don't have enough, where you feel like you're not doing what you think you should be doing, your first response should always be trust in the Lord. And I know trust can be a very difficult thing for some of us, for those who have maybe trusted in someone or something and have been let down. And trust, I think, is a word that we often, that we use a lot. Trust, belief, faith, and sometimes we misunderstand it or we lack clarity for what it means to fully trust in something. And what David is saying here, to trust in the Lord, it means to surrender myself daily to the Lord, to his will, what he wants to do, giving over control to him, yielding to God what matters most in my life. It's realizing, and this is the difficult thing, it's realizing that I don't know what is best for myself. And God does. God knows me better than I do. He knows what I need and when I need it. And I think that can be a challenge for us is we think we know ourselves very well. We know how, what the things that we want. We know how to uh, get to where we want to go. But oftentimes that leaves us kind of in a place of, un, of being unsatisfied and not knowing where to go and being disappointed when things don't work out. We don't know who to blame and accept ourselves. But I kind of want to focus on this idea of trusting because we say we believe in God. If, if those of us who are followers of Jesus, who are Christians, believers this morning, we believe. And so we think that, all right, we're good. God, I believe in you. And that's, that's all I'm good. You know, I'm going to go on my way and just be, and believe, which is good. He calls us to that, but he calls us to something more. He calls us to trust. And sometimes we get those two things confused. So I want to give us a little illustration. I'm going a little youth group style here. I'm going to use an object. of Because I was actually, in preparing this sermon, I was kind of struggling with this idea of belief and trust. What is the difference between the two? And so someone a lot smarter than me gave me a very, very simple explanation. And so this chair, I believe that this chair will hold my weight. 
I believe that if I sit in that chair, I'm going to be fine. Nothing, it's not going to break. At least I hope it won't. But I believe, I believe that it's not. What is trust then? Trust is actually sitting in the chair. It's an action. It means going from just believing to actually going and resting and sitting and being secure and knowing that if you sit in this chair, what you believe is going to take place. And a lot of times what we do is when it comes to our relationship with God, he asks us to trust him. We're like, we do this, we, we got to test it first or we're not sure or we put one foot up on the chair while another foot is off and we think, okay, I'm going to give the chair this much weight. I'm not going to give it my entire weight. A lot of times we do trust God, but we're all kind of standing up like this, unsecure with our anxiety, not sure what's going to happen. But God calls us to actually sit in the chair and give him everything and rest and not, and not stress or worry or or be anxious about anything. He wants us to fully depend on him. And so trust requires that, of giving of our confidence in someone or something other than ourselves is to be dependent. And we don't like to be dependent on others. We like to be self-sufficient. We love to be able to achieve uh, success on our own. I know that for myself, I have a little bit of trust issues Sometimes with my friends, when they want to go out to eat or go out and do something fun, I'm always like, I'm going to drive. Because I feel like if they drive, they're going to take me on this wild, crazy adventure, and I'm going to get home at 1 o'clock in the morning and not get enough sleep. So I'm always like, I'm going to drive. We're not going to Uber. We're not going to do all this stuff because I want to be able to have control over my situation. And so, and God is asking us to give over control to him. We don't like to be dependent. We prefer to trust our own instincts and emotions but here's the thing, we are not always honest with ourselves about what we need. Our emotions can actually lie to us. Do you, do you know that about yourself, that you can actually lie to yourself? We're not always honest with ourselves. And what happens is our emotions tell us one thing, and we lean on that, and God becomes an afterthought. And our first thought is, is not God when we're making decisions. And so if you trust God... What it means is doing what he says, no matter how foolish or impossible the situation may seem. It means leaving the results to him. A lot of times we want to dictate where things go. We want to dictate the results. And if you're just saying that you trust God this morning, if you're not actually trusting in him, what ends up happening is you spend your resources, your time, your energy on yourself. And it wears you down. And you hold on to these things because you think it will bring you security and purpose and significance, you'll try to do things your way. And God says, no, trust in me, lean on me. So David says, trust in the Lord and do good. Why would he say, trust the Lord and then do good? You see, David was putting his faith and trust in God as the first thing to do to show that God is the one who is the author of all the good things that we can do of our righteousness. It is he who produces righteousness in us. And it is, what David is doing is observing that trusting in God produces a holy life in him. When we are dependent on him, it actually produces in us what he wants. And it is to do good. It is for our good. And it is to do 
good. And here's the thing, we allow him to govern our actions, our thoughts, and to live as he is calling us to and devote ourselves to doing good, devoting ourselves to loving one another, showing compassion and kindness and serving. And sometimes what he is calling us to do is to love those who we might actually struggle to love, someone that might be our enemy, someone that has wronged us, or someone that we have a hard time trusting in. And I think a a very interesting example of this is Ananias in Acts chapter 9. Uh, as it says in Acts chapter 9, in, in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. And so God had met Saul, who would become Paul in the and on the way to Damascus, and he was working on Saul's life and calling him to life in him. And so Ananias, God was calling him to go and minister to Saul. And the response to Ananias is like, wait a second, isn't this the man who is persecuting us, who wants to kill Christians? If I go to this man, he's going to arrest me. And the Lord said to Ananias, Go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And then Ananias went to the house and entered it. And so Ananias, even though he was like, wait a second, God, what about this? What about that? If I do this, this will happen. And what does God say? Go. Don't argue with me. Go. I'm already there working in Saul's life. I'm going before you. Do not worry about these details. I am working things out. Parents, how many times have you asked your kids, go, do what I tell you, stop arguing with me. I know what is best here. (laughs) Many times. And a lot of times we do this when God is calling us to trust in him. We're like, but what about this detail? What about this over here? I don't know about this. And God's saying, Trust in me. I'm already ahead of you 10 steps working in this situation, doing what I want to do, working things out for your good and for the good of those who are around you. And so whatever it is God is asking you to do, he's asking you to act on it because God is already at work. So we need to trust in him. And when we live like this, when we live in a state of trust and doing what God wants and doing good, This next statement in the psalm becomes our reality. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. You know, David uses this reference of pasture as in my last message talking about the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing because he is my shepherd. There's nothing that I need. I am secure. And so he's referencing that again in this passage to dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture when we trust in the Lord. And do and follow as he is calling us to. We can rest in the security of God's faithfulness. Amen. God is faithful as we just sung about. And we see that he is faithful through his word and through his promises. Promises, And when we lose sight of God's faithfulness, our striving to achieve happens and occurs out of our own insecurity. Our own need for, for significance and for approval. But when we are secure in Christ, our work is motivated by a sense 
of direction, his presence, and trust in his outcome. It's not about us. It's not about our works. It's about what he wants to do. His outcome is the safe pasture that David is talking about here. And it's peace in the middle of the storm. I'm talking a lot about trust here, but sometimes life does not go the way we expect it to. Sometimes we have disappointments and setbacks and loss. But God is saying, or David is saying here, that we can still have peace in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the storm. Psalm chapter 9, David says, The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name, Lord, trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. God is faithful even in the midst of troubled times, of dark days. We can hold on to him. We can rest in him. We can enjoy the safe pasture because he is faithful. You know, something I was thinking about is important. We, we look at God's faithfulness through his word. But we also look at God's faithfulness through the body of Christ, through the older seasoned saints in the body who have been through life's journeys and, and following God and trusting him and hearing stories of God's faithfulness. That's why I think it's important for our young people to be in community with the older generation so that they can hear about what God has done. If I were to ask our older saints here in the congregation, has God ever been unfaithful to you? No. Never. It doesn't mean that you haven't had trials and tribulations. You haven't experienced loss. You haven't gone through depression. But even those things that happen, has God ever forsaken you? Never. God is always faithful. And because of God's faithfulness, this next part of the passage, it gives us hope. Because God's faithfulness, we can delight in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. I want to talk about delighting in the Lord for a second. When we delight in the Lord, when we rest in his faithfulness, it means that we take pleasure in him. We long for his presence. We long to spend time with God in prayer and worship and fellowship with God's people. When we trust in him and we enjoy and we can rest in his faithfulness, we then are free to actually enjoy life and experience the, the blessing that God has for us because it's no longer, the weight is no longer on us to produce, to achieve, to find success. It's not my job to do that. God is the one who will work these things out in my life. And it takes the weight off of my shoulders. And it's a burden that many of us carry that ends up weighing us down and keep us from experiencing the blessing that God has for us. You see, John Piper once said that God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. Our satisfaction in Jesus brings him glory because it means that he is all sufficient. His grace is enough for us and that we belong to him and we no longer have to fear anything. We can delight in him. And then the next part of that passage, he will give you the desires of your heart if you delight in him. I think this is a very important passage for us because it's often one that is taken out of context. There's a false expectation here that we need to realize that if I do what God wants, he gives me everything that I want. Money, security, wealth, success, relationships, approval. And that's not what he's talking about here. 
that if we delight the Lord, if we follow him, if we do what he's commanding us to do, then I'll get what I want. You, it's like this give and take. God, I give to you, then you've then you got to give back to me. And that's not the relationship he's longing for. In fact, the desires of our heart when we delight in him begin to change. And I think Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 through 27, explains this very well. The Lord says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You see, delighting in God changes us. It changes our desires, our priorities, our motivations. We begin to desire what he desires. And so... God changes us. It shifts our reality when we are satisfied in him. We are delighting the things that he wants for us, which is himself. We begin to want and do, want new things, desire new things, desire healthy things for us. And so, but when we're not trusting God, we are not delighting in him. We are not enjoying him. And so what are the things that you need to trust God with this morning? What do you need to give over to him? And Rick Warren says this. I was watching a sermon. We are listening to a sermon by him. And he explained this so simply. It was just a wow moment for me. What are the things that you need to trust God with this morning? It's everything that you worry about. Everything that you worry about, you need to give to him. It's not just one little thing. It's everything that you like, God, I don't know about this. I, I wrestle with this. Everything, your job, your kids, your family, the, the, your next situation, your, ho- your home, whatever it might be, that's what you need to give to God. Because every time you worry, it is a warning sign to you that you are not trusting him. And it shows a little bit of evidence that there is still unbelief in our heart, that God is not enough to deal with this. But scripture tells us what to do about worry. In Philippians 4, 6 through 7, Paul addresses this. He says, do not be anxious about anything. One of the biggest reasons we have a hard time trusting, it is fear, it is anxiety, and it is worry. And here's the thing, with these are all of our, when we worry, when we are anxious about something and when we're afraid, those, we use those things as attempts to maintain control to stay within our comfort zone of saying, you know what, God, I don't know about this. I'm just going to stay over here so I can maintain my sanity, maintain my, my comfort, whatever it is that I'm trying to do. I, I'm, I can't give this to you because I'm afraid. And what does Paul say to do in those moments? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You see, prayer is an expression of trust in God. When we come to him in prayer, when we come to him with our desires, with our needs, with the things that we struggle with, with our worry, that is a a, a moment of trust, of giving that to God. Thanksgiving is an expression of trust. Even being thankful for an anticipated answer that hasn't come yet, before it comes, that is an expression of trust in him. And Paul gives us a promise from God that if we do this, if we give God the things that bring us worry, that we're anxious about, that we're afraid of, it says in verse 7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That is a promise this morning for all of us, that if we give ourselves to him, the peace of God that settles our, our calms our spirit, that settles our anxiety and our wants and our needs and our longing, God will satisfy that and he will protect that. He will guard that against the enemy attacking you and defeating you in the things that bring you down and the things that you worry about. I want to share briefly about a time in my life where I struggled with that. For a long time, I wrestled with God about going into ministry. I lived in fear because I felt that I was unqualified and inadequate to do what God was calling me to do. I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think I had the right gifting for being a pastor. What I was good at, I thought God couldn't use this. And that churches would never hire me. No one would ever give me an opportunity uh, because I didn't want to preach. I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to be a youth pastor because most churches were just looking for a youth guy. And so I didn't think that was me. I didn't think I could do those things. I didn't trust God with what he was wanting me to do. So what did I do? I stayed in my comfort zone. And I did that for years. I struggled with trusting God. And you know what happened? I became very miserable. When we are outside of God's will, we become very unsatisfied and discontent with the situation and the circumstances that we're in. And here's the thing, I, I just complained all the time. I wasn't where I wanted to be. But the thing is, I was the cause of my own unsatisfaction and discontentment. It was my own fault. There was no one else to blame but myself. And nothing changed in my life. The jobs that I did, everything, I was just always angry and hated what I was doing. And what happened is God had to, I had to hit a wall in my life. And pretty much God brought me to rock bottom. And he had to bring me to my knees to the point where I couldn't go any further. And I finally decided to trust him. And the feeling of inadequacy didn't go away or any of my fears about being, of being adequate to do ministry, of serving and being a pastor. But a word from the Lord came to me. And God, this is what God said. He said that the need for people to hear the gospel, to know about Jesus, is greater than your fear. You see, I haven't stopped being afraid. But what God has revealed to me is that the light of the gospel outshines our fears. And that he takes that weight upon himself. So if we trust him and follow him, he will do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine in our lives. And here's the thing. I love Pastor Jesse's message last week about Moses, about giving what was in your basket to the Lord. I didn't feel like what was in my basket was enough. But here's the thing. When we give God what's in our basket and say, this is all I have, what he ends up saying is, no, it's not. The reality is there is always more in your basket than you realize, and God can see it. Even though you can at the time, he knows what he wants to do with it, and he knows how he's going to grow that in you. And he says, when you give it to me, I want to show you my power. And so when we trust God with what we have, it gives God the opportunity to display his power and purpose for our lives. He proves his faithfulness to us. And so when we commit ourselves to the Lord, which is the last part of this passage, 
He asks us to commit to him, to trust in him, and he will do the things that he is promising to us in his faithfulness. You see, I had to come to a decision of committing myself to the Lord. My life, my ambitions, and my future. And why do we do this? Why do we trust God? Why is it that that David tells us to trust in the Lord? Because God is worthy of your trust. Do you know that this morning, that God is worthy of your trust? I know a lot of us have been disappointed and have been hurt and feel like we can't trust as the worship team is coming back up. We, we have a hard time letting go and trusting God, but I can tell you this morning with full assurance and testimony of my own life that God is worthy of your trust. And he is worthy of your trust because of this one simple fact. God loves you more than you love yourself. Think about that for a second. God loves you more than you love yourself. God desires your success more than you desire success. He desires your joy more than you desire joy. And so what has he done to prove that? How can we measure his love? Because his love is measured by the cross. Jesus took our doubts our fear, our sin, and our failure upon himself so we might be free. He freed us from guilt and shame and making us able to trust in him so that we no longer have to trust in ourselves and our own achievement and our own work and striving. We can rest in him because he has secured our salvation and our hope is not in this world, it is hope in eternity. And so just like the Seinfeld example, are you really trusting God? Or are you just saying that you trust in him this morning? And the way that you trust him is by sitting in the chair, putting your full weight on him, putting everything, God, all the things in my life that I long for, that I need, that I worry about, Lord, I'm giving to you because you are worthy of trust and you are faithful in the outcome. Are there things in your life that you have not entrusted to him or that you struggle to trust him with? Is there something that you are holding back this morning? Give it to him, sit in the chair, and be amazed at how God works and how much he loves you and what he wants to do in your life. Proverbs 3, verses three, 5 through 6, just affirms all of this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight.